Hello, 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 you lovely, lucky folks. If you're listening to this, then it's going to be at least after the 10th of January 2022. I'm recording this in the past, just before the end of the Christmas term 2021. So I'm sitting here really, really hoping that 2022 is going to have something super exciting up its sleeve. I mean, like, genuinely exciting. Maybe a free pony for everybody or something. Just something, because honestly, 2020, 2021... Those guys didn't have much going for them on balance. So really hoping that things are going to be excellent in the near future. Please do say that it's true. Um, So anyway, these uh, series of podcasts that we're launching uh, in the new year come from uh, November 2021. And it's a, a series of conversations with regulars Arlen and Kaz. This week, they're going to be discussing sanitary products and issues around why they still aren't free and some of this kind of social taboo that still surrounds periods uh, and why this is still such a difficult topic of conversation to have publicly, which I think is a really, really important thing to be discussing. And we've also got an essay being read by Arlen about eco-fashion from ex-Hurtwood student Vita Thompson. Uh, You'll hear more from regulars Meadow and Evelyn next week. But in the meantime, sit back and enjoy Arlen and Kaz uh, discussing sanitary products and why these things still aren't free. Thanks for listening, folks. And yeah, keep in touch. Speak soon. Bye. All right, here we go. Hi. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> what? <laughs> it's kind of hard when you don't have a text. To read. Yeah, what do we do here? Okay. Hi, everyone. Anyone who's potentially listening. Uh, I'm. Arlen. And I'm Cass. And uh, we've been thinking about the question, should women's sanitary products be free? The answer is yes. The answer is yes. The answer (laughs) is absolutely yes. So, uh, to make this more interesting, uh, I suppose we sort of thought about what the systemic problem with this question should be. Not should be. Is. Is. It shouldn't be there. That's That's the whole point of this. And we've kind of talked about how the underlying problem behind all of these discussions is the fact that a lot of men um, are quite uneducated about just periods in general. And um, that it's, it's not their fault, obviously. It's the fault of the education system in a lot of places, but it's just not something that is acceptable since 50% of the population of this earth have that problem and just ignoring it is not going to get us anywhere absolutely and when you have when you have the issue of some men literally turning around in disgust at the mention of a woman's period that's obviously an issue and that's not (laughs) not a way society can continue to function i mean yeah i mean it's a part of people's lives 
something that you can't, you don't decide to just have your period or you can just say, ah, no, not gonna do that this month. It doesn't work like that. It's something that we have to deal with from the age of as young as 10 years old and growing up when, when you're 10 or 11 and someone um, gets disgusted by something that you've just experienced for the first time, you're going to feel disgusting about yourself. And that's just not a way to raise kids. Absolutely. And the underlying problem, the, so, so, the social problem we seem to be facing that sort of underlies this entire issue is the general social taboo around the topic of periods that uh, people become just intensely uncomfortable when you start speaking about it or bring it up in a conversation and people want to avoid talking about it when it's a part of literally a part of people's lives. Yeah, the problem is often that women either get sexualized or people just find find them disgusting and that's neither of these are healthy um, because I mean for obvious reasons no one should be reduced to just sexual things or just yes you are disgusting because you get your period which is something you can't control that's not how this should work and I mean a couple of years ago we've all um, we've already made a lot of progress, obviously, but it's not perfect yet. And I mean, a couple of years ago, the discussion was about if there should be taxes on women's sanitary products, which is also just incredibly stupid, in my opinion. And I know that in the US, ta tampons and pads are uh, taxes luxury items, which is just absolutely Which ridiculous. is just ridiculous, might I add. <laughs> yeah, because... I can confirm that having your period is not a luxury. Um, yeah. It's not something... No. Now, I, I've never had a period, obviously. Um, really? So I'm not speaking from experience here. From what I've heard, um, you feel terrible and you're in pain. My mother used to tell me uh, when she, she was younger, she said she had... Um, Period, she used to get period cramps that were so bad that she was literally paralyzed on the ground with pain. Yeah. Taxing a product for periods as a luxury product is clearly unacceptable. Now, here in the UK, um, I read that uh, the cost for uh, sort of period sanitary pro products can come up to eight or more pounds a month and in low-income families uh, women sometimes just cannot afford that or even homeless women homeless women often yeah what do homeless women do it's it's a conundrum because these are these are products that should be essential and yet somehow they're expensive they're being taxed it, yeah it is unacceptable i've um i've watched a lot of interviews with homeless women who were asked what they need most and most of them didn't say food or water they said period products because there's plenty of like homeless shelters who help provide food and water there's loads of free water fountains all over the UK uh, in bigger cities at least but 
you don't get free tampons anywhere, which is... It's a thing that many privileged people don't think about at all. Um, just buying tampons at the store, you know, as you do, as you do with bread and milk. But if you think about many women who cannot afford to do that, and how much that must suck... Must be awful. Yeah, it's unacceptable. And that that this again underlies uh, underlines uh, much more the issue here. As a man, until Kaz just mentioned, what do homeless women do? I never even thought about that. Like, uh, it's something you don't really think about if you're not in that kind of situation. You always, you see a homeless person, you think, oh, they need food, they need water, they need something to keep themselves warm. To me, the first thing I thought of was not, they don't have access to period products, but they absolutely should have access to, everyone who needs them should obviously have access to period products, and that's why they shouldn't be taxed and shouldn't be expensive. Everyone needs to have access to these. They're like they're like basic living needs. They should be like food or water. And honestly, in my opinion, it shouldn't even just be pads and tampons, but maybe even meds to help with the pain. Because I know that sometimes I can't walk for two days straight when I have my period. And I can say that that's not fun, especially when you're doing your A-levels. You kind of need to be in school. Yeah. Um, uh, I can... I, I mean, I agree with that in that case. Yeah, it's... The worst thing is when you're on your period and um, you want to you wanna stay at home because you're feeling terrible. And then, some, and then you come back to school and one of your male teachers pretends like they know what they're talking about and says, well, it's not that bad. I've heard from my wife that she doesn't even have pain. Well, that's good for you, wife. I'm different. <laughs> I do have pain. Not every woman on this planet is the same. It's or forbidding forbidding toilet breaks in in class. I've had a teacher not allow me to go to the toilet. And I obviously I get that it's disturbing um it's disturbing class, but come on. You you have to think about this. Like, yeah. And that again circles around to the issue that we were talking about right at the beginning, um, about the lack of education surrounding the topic. Obviously, the men who said these things to you and the men who are out there saying these things to female students on their periods don't know what they're talking about and shouldn't be in a position to stop them from going to the bathroom or stop them from taking breaks or stopping them from ever, what, doing whatever they need to be doing at that moment. It should be looked at from a, a perspective, it's just like any biological rhythm that comes around, like hunger or thirst or tiredness. When you're hungry, you need to eat. When you're thirsty, you need to drink. When you're tired, you need to sleep. And once a month, women's periods come around. It's a normal thing, just like any other biological rhythm we experience on a regular basis. The whole stigma surrounding it is absolutely unacceptable and should be banished, just like many other things from the past. Yeah, that's another thing. Um, just generally, I don't know if this is true, but I've I, I read it. And um, women's hormone cycle is obviously over a month. Um, and I've read that men's hormone cycle are over 24 hours. So that the testosterone levels in the morning are the highest. And in the evening, they're the lowest. And then at night, you know, you sleep. And it re rebuilds itself, I guess. So m 
days, like our entire system is pretty much built around men because highest in the morning and then, you know, it wears off. And women have that same thing over 28 days. So obviously there's going to be a week in the end where you're feeling um, and that should be a valid excuse from doing things as well. You, from school, from sports, but many people don't accept it anymore. They're like, oh, just take some painkillers. Like, that's not gonna do, that's not gonna help with everything. You know? Yeah. Well, I hope this was educating <laughs> in any way. <laughs> Uh, the clear verdict here, um, which is the same one we said right off the bat, is yeah. yes, women's sanitary products should absolutely be free. Um, and yeah, I hope I hope this was somehow enjoyable. And catch us again at some point on Is It Tuesday Yet? I'm Arlen. And I'm Cass. See you next time. <laughs> <laughs> Is it Tuesday yet? I love that. Okay. I want to keep the lemon. Excellent. Yeah, the lime is mine now. Eco fashion. Clothing for the 21st century. By Vita Thompson. You have surely been bombarded with the sanctimony of Greta Thunberg's Extinction Rebellion. So to put it clearly and simply, do you think you are environmentally friendly? Is your eco-moral compass well aligned? People often don't think about fashion in terms of the environment, but here's why you should. Here at Hurtwood, we pride ourselves on the freedom of self-expression in the arts. It's noticeable amongst our bohemian group that fashion remains an ever-evolving form of one's presentation of self. Unfortunately, fashion is a hugely polluting business. Fashion has a larger man-made carbon footprint than aviation and shipping combined. You know who you have more than enough clothes already. We have more than enough materials. We have made enough garments. What can we do? Well, here's my answer. We have to radically alter how we look at the materials we're using to create things we do not necessarily need. The logistics of manufacturing are hugely complex, such as the need for everlasting supplies of fresh water or topsoil to grow cotton. We cannot keep extracting oil to make synthetic materials to design clothes for fast fashion, much of which, the manufacturers know full well, is only worn a couple of times before being disposed of. Then follows the distinct possibility that these clothes end up in landfill and taking an infinite time to biodegrade, if that's even possible, because we've only been making synthetic fabrics for the last 70 years. However, one thing that can change here, as well as our personal choices, is the responsibility of the designer. Surely, we need a circular design process, where designers and creatives consider the end life of the product just as much as they consider the saleable aspect and use of the product. Most crucially, if it's never going to break down and cannot be recycled, someone should be held responsible. Biodiversity is in decline. We are wiping out the environment and the ecosystems upon which we are wholly dependent as human beings. 
Is fashion really worth this? Those who are interested might already know Alexander McQueen's spray-painted dress created through robotics. But this chaotic design seems a bit amateur for a robot, and a bit niche. But think. Technology has progressed enough to design these dresses. AI can, with ease, recreate human creativity and surpass our labor through generating its own design formula and manufacturing processes. So why not use the talents of machines to our own advantage? Clothes can be designed for us as individuals, and new 3D printing technologies make it possible to bring the manufacturing process into the home. We would no longer have to resist our own consumerist instincts. The materials we use and the clothes we wear do not need to be sold or merchandised when we can download or design our own garments with materials that can be recycled and make them using affordable machines in our own homes. A futuristic but plausible solution to the pressing issue of sustainability is 3D printers becoming a commonplace in our homes, just like Wi-Fi routers or washing machines. You would no longer have to second-guess your size. It wouldn't be one size fits all, but a computer program that can detect what would feel most comfortable for you and customize to your personal needs, be it style, color, texture, and perhaps even medical needs. Currently, the technology that can enable this is 3D bioprinting, which is already used in the healthcare industry to aid regenerative medicine. Why not turn this technology over to textiles? 3D printing technology can now do something that was not possible 10 years ago. Structure weaves can be created for garments, making the material wearable. Although the elasticity of fabrics in this technology is still being developed, if we can get to a stage where we can print natural fibers like wool, cotton, and leather, then it is the ultimate game-changer. Imagine a point when clothes are not designed, manufactured, merchandised, and sold. Rather, they would be printed in our own homes, enabling us to wear the most comfortable clothes which fit perfectly, having been adjusted to our bodies. Even more importantly, with the point of manufacture moved into the home, the cycle of forced human labor can discontinue completely, as chains such as Primark would no longer have the incentive. This is all, of course, a personal design fantasy. However, I genuinely believe this form of ethical design could become part of our everyday reality. Personalization, design democratization, waste reduction, and, most importantly, a positive impact on child slavery. Why not apply all of these positive credentials to our appetite for fashion? We should at least be thinking about it.